Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Boy, we live in incredible days. I was at Hillsong Conference, um, is that last week? The week before, life moves so fast. I was at Hillsong Conference um, the week before last and the Prime Minister of the country on the first night of the conference asked if he could be there and he stood, prayed for the nation, prayed for the drought, prayed for the veterans, prayed for um, people in tough circumstances, prayed for all kinds of situations and I thought what an incredible day we live in, prayed for suicide, what an incredible day we live in when the Prime Minister is a believer in Jesus in a nation like Australia. I tell you, good days are ahead for Jesus Church. We are not anywhere near um, some relic that's going into the past. I believe that in my lifetime, um, whatever's been the best days of Jesus Church are in front of it because Jesus would have that nobody perish, that everybody come to faith in his son. And so God is on the move. It was a great moment. Uh, and, and as I stood there, I thought, this, this is more than just a, this is, this is a moment in history. And I believe it could be pivotal for our nation. And so we're very excited about that. Um, I think Mike Kramer might be the only person who can answer this first question. Um, the only person in the room, no offence to you if you can't answer it. I'm pretty sure Will Messon's in the US by now, and so he's not here to step in. Um, maybe Grant Harvey can answer it, but I'm pretty sure most of the rest of us can't. So if those people could be quiet for me, just in case they know the answer, I'm pretty confident that you don't. And I can just say ahead of time that I don't. Here's the question. Can you give me the four references to the book of Deuteronomy from the book of Habakkuk in order? Anyone? And anyone? Lockie? No. Well, I have taught him the Bible. I thought he'd be some kind of chance. Can you give me the four references to the book of Deuteronomy from the book of Habakkuk in order? Do you even know where the book of Habakkuk is in order, you know? And, and, and here's the thing. That question is the kind of leading question that a Jewish rabbi would ask to a 14-year-old boy. Are we, am I even a Christian? Don't answer. Don't answer. Just like a leading, just, just to get the, you know, just an icebreaker. Can you tell me those four things? And, and so at around the age of 14, it was, that was kind of a leading question for a Jewish rabbi to give a potential disciple, as they were known. And historically, rabbis were the influence of their day, influences of their day. They were kind of the celebrities. They were the big deal. You, um, uh, on, on, um, I love um, Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, you're often, you know, someone will follow you and you think, oh, I don't really know their face. And then you look it up and you realize you never knew their face. And next to their name is public figure. So they want you to follow them until you follow them and then they won't follow you. And that's kind of the end of the story. And they were the public figures of their day. They were the high profile people. They were you know, if people were going to move out of the way for someone to come through, it was the, it were the, they were the rabbis. They were regarded, they were celebrated, they were honoured, they were a big deal. And for most Jewish boys, sorry girls, it was that day, for most Jewish boys to be a disciple of a rabbi was, was theirs and their family's great dream. Like this, this is, this is it. I don't know what that is for you. It was something like, I suppose, modern day, it was something like a scholarship 
to Yale or Cambridge or Oxford in the most elite of um, areas of study or something like that in the, in the Jewish world. Uh, you didn't choose a rabbi. You didn't go, well, I think I'll, a rabbi chose you. Uh, you, you, you. That's just how it worked. And, and as a disciple of a rabbi, you were much more than a student of the text. Actually, can I get the text? I might use my Bible just for a minute today. Um, thanks. Um, you, you, you didn't choose. Um, and much more than that, skilled in text and thinking was the base. You walked in the steps. You learned the rhythms. You took on the ways even what they call the unique yoke of the rabbi. You know, when Jesus says, my yoke is light, it was there. Each rabbi kind of had their yoke. And, and, and that's what you did as a disciple. You took that on. And so when Jesus said these words I'm about to read to you, when Jesus said these words from the pages of Scripture, the disciples that were gathered there that day understood this in a deep and in a, in a, in a profound way. Listen to what it says, Jesus' last words. Our first priority. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The next verse will come up on the screen. Listen to it. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you, I'm with you, always to the, very, to the very end of the, of the age. Here Jesus comes along, he's at the end of his earthly ministry, and earthly life, and he says to them, hey, here's what I want you to do with the rest of your life, guys. I want you to go and make disciples. That's it. And, and so when Jesus says to them, go and make disciples, obviously there's an assumption to go and be a disciple, and we'll kind of talk about be and make. Um, but, but when Jesus says to this, there's an assumption that they will go and be a disciple. They already are. But it was something far beyond going to church, reading my Bible, doing a devotion, maybe praying a prayer and, you know, attending whatever religious festival might be on at any given point in the year. To, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, they understood something deep was going on here, that, 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 that this was more than to be a believer in Jesus was to be a follower of Jesus. Like they were inseparably kind of linked. To be a believer meant to be a follower. To be someone who confessed was to be someone who would act. You not only learnt the text, but you learnt the way and the rhythm and the way of the rabbi. And our rabbi, the Lord Jesus, the God who came in the flesh, is the one who we are disciples of. Here's my simple definition. I think it'll help us less than rabbis in the room. Here's my definition for discipleship. When Jesus speaks, we listen. What Jesus did, we do. And where Jesus leads, we go. How simple is that? And, and to be honest, when I first heard about go and make disciples, it scared me on two fronts. Number one, I was like um, Alan said last week, I wanted to do as little as I could to ensure I snuck into heaven. That, that was, I'm like, what do I have to do just to make it? I'm not interested in being super keen or living super holy or living, and I just want to do my thing and get into heaven. What are the, how do you do that? And, and then the other thing was, I certainly didn't want to talk to anyone about it. Some of you will remember a thing called a tape. Anyone remember a tape? Come on, show your hand if you remember a tape. 
Who doesn't remember a tape? A few of you. Bob. A few of you don't remember a tape. Tape was this amazing thing um, that existed in the prehistoric age. <laughs> and um, we used to have them. And, uh, yeah. and, and I remember the first time I walked out of a Christian bookshop and I had my Christian tapes. They told me there was great Christian music. And then they showed me Amy Grant's collection. I thought, this is a lie. <laughs> but I bought it anyway. And I bought an album by a band called Allies or something like that. It was dreadful. But my Christian, I remember walking out of the Christian bookshop with my white paper bag to this day and I ran into one of my mates and he said, what have you got there? And I said, just some music. Because I was so scared of the idea that anyone would know that I'd now become a believer in and a follower of Jesus. And so as I share this message today, it took me six months to tell my dad that I was a Christian. I finally rang him. I said, Dad, I'm a Christian. He went, oh, I already know, son. Don't worry about it. Your brother's told me. <laughs> he could have told me, right? Why am I telling you that? Because, because I understand the tension around this idea of being and raising disciples. But what I also know about the tension is if you stay with it facing your fears, getting a change going on in our heart. I know that something goes on that leaves you revolutionary change to the idea and pretty comfortable in your skin and the things that you need to say. Now, I haven't perfected the art, far from it. But I know that there's a journey that God would take everybody on in being and becoming and raising um, disciples. So when Jesus speaks, we listen. When Jesus, what Jesus did, we do. Where Jesus leads, we go. And that's the idea. To, to, to believe one way and to live another was an incomprehensible thought for a believer in him. To live one way and to, to, to sorry, believe one way and to live another, um, actually, there doesn't seem to be, on my read on it, doesn't seem to be really room for that in the context of what a disciple is. In fact, I would suggest to you that that's what they call rebellion and what it needs is repentance. Because to live my way why I say I believe in Jesus brings me back to the root problem. In the book of Isaiah, the Bible talks about um, humanity and says that, hey, the problem is that the reason Jesus came into the world was that all of us had gone astray, all of us had gone our own way. So to then become a believer and to believe but not follow, to become a believer and confess one way and live another way, to me, as I read the Bible, suggests not that I am a disciple, but that actually I am in rebellion and that requires repentance. And at that point of repentance is, in, is power to live out the life that God calls us all to, again, which I was scared of, again, which I didn't sign up for, but have found that that is the best way to live far and away. And the proof is, here I am. And it wasn't because it was a better gig. It was a way inferior gig. It's a better one now, but it wasn't back then. It cost us everything. Sold homes to keep going. But here's what I know. To live as a disciple of Jesus, sold out to him, wherever you are up to in life, you might not have even believed in him yet, is the best way to live life. Because there is no safer place and no better place to be than at the center of God's will. And I tell you what I won't regret and you won't regret is living sold out for Jesus. You will not get to the end of your days and go, I wish I lived less for him. There's not a person in this room that will think that on their final day. And so the Bible comes along and says, go into all the world, make disciples. 
And I think this is like, it's an extraordinary invitation. What a privilege that the God of the universe would ask you and ask me to be his disciples. This was the greatest privilege in Jewish culture. We're not talking about a, a, a rabbi of human origins. We're talking about God who came in the flesh, invites you and I to be his disciples, the rabbi who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega, the God without no end. He asks you and I to be his disciples. That is a, what a profound invitation. And he asks us to do the same. Here's capture the heart of Jesus in these words. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Can you hear the language of a rabbi in this? And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What an incredible place to find our lives. And if you go, well, Darren, that's not my experience. It can be for sure. Does it mean everything's easy? Absolutely not. It means there's an ease in the midst of it all because of Jesus in the mix and he's changing us. Jesus didn't come to call you to be his disciple to, to weigh you down, but to lift you up. He came to not weigh anybody down, but to lift them up. He, he didn't come to burden with condemnation. He came to liberate from sin and, sin and empower people to live life. It, it's completely the opposite to what people expected us to be transformed from the inside out more and more into his likeness what a, our future is to be transferred from the what the bible talks about the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and 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 you go well, i don't know if i believe in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light just look around the world go check out the dark web actually don't check out the dark web but but that you get my point right the fact is you know not to check out the dark web why is that because there's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light and if i'm not in the kingdom of light i'm just trying to be really honest with you today to help you by the end of this i'm still in the kingdom of and the bible says that i'm in the kingdom of darkness not because i'm doing things that i feel like are pretty evil but i'm just blind and in the dark and there's one who's called the light of the world and his name is jesus and he would call you to him go into all the world and make disciples and so Jesus leaves his followers this simple plan. You, you go and be my disciples and raise up disciples or lead people to becoming disciples in my likeness. And Jesus gives them this clear mission and, and with it he gives them this such a simple plan. I, I think the only thing that I'm good at at doing with Scripture really, actually I'm brilliant at lots of things now that we think about it, but is, is actually finding the simplicity in it to be honest because I'm simple. And so make disciples of all nations. And then he gives us the headlines. Here's, here's what you do. He says, um, go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them all things, to obey all things, not to, to obey all things. And really, right there, we, we have being a disciple and making disciples or raising up disciples in headline form, condensed right there in this little section of conversation, Jesus and his disciples at the end of his earthly life, just to go and make, or go and be and make as a result, disciples, number one. Then number two, baptize them 
Well, be baptized if we haven't. Be baptized and then lead other people to baptism. What a, what a privilege that is. And then number three, teach them to obey all things. So be one who obeys all things and then teach others to obey all things. And that's kind of the headline deal. If I can, if I can just live that out or if I can pursue that in all of God's grace, in all of my flawedness, in all of my humanity, if I live that out before him, I'm going to find myself turning up as a disciple and I'm going to find myself actually affecting others to be disciples. Really, Mia Dorma is in part a disciple, sounds kind of weird, of Bron and I, right? And to be honest, when you got, she got on the platform today and I went, how good is Mia Dorma? You just felt a heart for God, you just felt a heart for Jesus. And then you look across this room and you see people who have been discipled by others that I know in every corner, every back seat that have just been, you know, Nate Robbo there. I knew Luella Owens when he was a boy. I don't have any claim over him being a disciple. That's on someone else's fault. I've known him most of his life, or a lot of his life, not most. And you see the effect of someone who's discipled him the likeness of Jesus in him and you see that he is determined to be a disciple of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so go, baptize, teach them to walk in my ways and, 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 it's, and it's so easy. And so he asks us to do that if you're a believer in him and, and if you think about this is like far from God, we'll talk about this being far from God and, and, and if you think about the, what's this thing, pulpit. Think about the pulpit being the cross and then if you think about this being I don't know, you, someone absolutely on fire for God. If you think about that as a, we'll call it a faith spectrum, the discipleship is to happen across the breadth of that. It starts way over here with someone far from God, hasn't got a clue that lives around the corner, is in my workplace, is just going about their business. They're not trying to do anything bad. They're not trying to be evil. They're just, they're just living their life oblivious to maybe what some of us already know. And, and the Bible asks us to go and make disciples starting here. In fact, that word go, they say, um, commentators say, it's not really like a go, like a force go, you know, like going and being a street preacher, so much as as you are going. I love that. As you are going, make disciples. And, and so it starts here and it's all the way across here and people who are curious about God and people who are close to God and making that decision for Jesus and people who have started that journey where it's, they've come to an end of just being drawn and now they've come to a place where now they're being led and, 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 and developing and discipling them and discipling people along the way and discipling people into full maturity and I can only disciple people as far as where I'm up to. That's why I loved having Alan. That's why I love having Jack Haynes across seven hot Sundays because they're so much further than where someone like I am. And so... God asks us and gives us the privilege of discipling people right across that spectrum. Thinking about what Jesus has called us to, I want us to think about this for a minute because um, just in terms of thinking about who he is, he leads into go and make disciples with these words, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 will come up on the screen. John had been taken into custody and Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, this is like Jesus' press conference announcing his arrival. Now when you see those sports conferences, you know the 
press conference where someone has been whatever. This is, this is Jesus' press conference. He's saying, hey, I want you to know. All of you Jewish people who understand the scriptures and know the history, can interpret the time, can predict the future, uh, can, can, can see the prophecies and are expecting the Savior. I want you to know that that Savior, he has come and I am him. I want you to know that the time of the kingdom of God has arrived on the earth. And Jesus is in front of them. This Jesus who calls you and I to be disciples of him. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth and, earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're reminded as we live as his disciples today that he is who he says he is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 um, says this. There we go. No. Don't worry, maybe I didn't send that one through. Sorry, Mike. But we can work out who he is. There it is. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged and have our lives laid bare before him. Each of us will receive whatever he deserves to the body uh, for the good or bad things he's done in his earthly body. It is because of this solemn fear of the Lord which is ever-present in our minds that we work so hard to win others. God knows our hearts that they are pure in this matter and I hope that deep within you really know it too. Um, not only is it who he is, it's, it's what's at stake for all humanity. You know me, I like to preach on all the positive subjects in the Bible. Well, this is a positive subject in the Bible because someone's eternal future can be liberated by the power of the gospel, by you and I going and making disciples. He says, hey, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. Everybody in this room, everybody in our nation, doesn't matter what they think, doesn't matter what they believe, everybody who's ever lived in every country, every place across all time will stand before the judgment seat. And so the Bible compels us, Jesus said to his disciples, so knowing who I am, knowing what's at stake and knowing all I've promised about the future, you go. You go and make disciples in all the earth. Be and go and make disciples. And so let's think we'll get as far as the first one here today. It says, go and make disciples. Let's talk about this. How are you and I going to go? I've called it being gospel activists. As you know, or may not know, you know, I get to train lots of pastors, lots of church leaders. And when we finish and when everything's said and done, I'll often say this to them in private. Guys, for all of our great planning, all of our systems, structures, training of pastors, building great Sundays, working out how to connect people in so they can grow in their faith, when all that's said and done, if we could just mobilize more of us in gospel activism, that one thing will trump everything else. And, and if over the next few years we could turn us into a mobilized, gospel-activated group of people, we would see more people's lives impacted by Jesus, more people's lives and their families, their futures, their eternities impacted. And so I just want to give you a simple way today to help us all move forward in this. Uh, the first thought is, number one, just to live life well. Just to live life well. Um, the, the, the Bible talks about... Um, um, living our lives in an attractive way. 
that would, or living our lives in a way that would attract people to Jesus. I like that, don't you? I like it because it eliminates weird, it eliminates harsh, it eliminates all kinds of things that people might associate with Christianity, not necessarily with Jesus. Um, just to live our lives well. And I think it all starts there. Not some sanitized, uptight, you know, um, version of faith. I remember I got a couple of years into my faith journey and my, I think my sister-in-law said to me, Darren, it's not wrong to laugh. And I'd been so kind of sanitized, I'd been so overwhelmed by parts that I read that I just had forgotten that you could have fun. And then a few years later, another friend of mine said, oh, I discovered that you don't need to lose your personality. And I remember thinking, that's good. I'm going to assume I knew that. Thank God he gave you a personality. Gave me mine. We can't make sense of that, can we? I mean, I can see Phil. There are mysteries, Phil. And between him and I, there are mysteries in why God would give you the personality. But he has. Christian Fritz has a personality like he's got for a reason. What a great personality God gave him. And, but, but whatever it is, he, 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 he didn't come to sanitize it and to wash us clean and make us all into, to, you know, I don't know. You can work it out. But you've got the idea. And, but he does call our lives to be positively different, profoundly changed, profoundly different to anyone around us, that we would walk with a different rhythm, that we would speak with a different tone, that we would just have eyes to see and ears that hear and minds that think and hearts that just reach and love and draw and do all that we can. It would have us be those kinds of people to live with integrity. What a great thing to do business with integrity for all the business guys in the room. Ryan Alderton, who does his business with incredible integrity. What a great message. Everyone, I, I love it when I meet people who, who are trades because I am able to name drop people in our church and here's what I know. I can name drop Ryan and I can name drop um, the Urquits, especially Natty, and I can name drop a whole bunch of people right across our church because I know that the way they live is sending a powerful message about who Jesus is and about the compelling nature of faith. And so just living with integrity, just living with extraordinary generosity, the grace and kindness and hope. Hey, if you're young, just a great work ethic. If you're old, just a great work ethic. But if you start early, just a great work ethic. Bella was going away, five bucks. Bella was going away to do work experience and um, she left me a note because she knew I'd miss her and probably cry. She knew I'd go into a room, which I did. Found her little teddy bear took it everywhere with me that week, photographed it in all sorts of places and sent them off to her. It was great. I snuck into the gym, waited till no men were around because pulled out of my gym bag a fluffy little bear. Can you imagine? Someone walked in. So perfect timing, quickly sat it near the trainer and took a shot, put it back in the bag, hope no one saw. Um, but she left me this note. She left me the bear, said, Dad, you know, keep your company and don't cry. And she read the scenario well. But but she also said, and don't worry, Dad, I'll get to work early and I'll finish work late. And I thought, that girl will win. She'll do well. I reckon we want to be those sorts of employees. A great work ethic, devotion to our spouse, just to do marriage increasingly well. You know, no matter how badly we've done it, I just saw Faye and I remember one time I turned up to church when we were newly married and and um, Al said to me, what did you get, Bron, for Mother's Day, I think it was. You remember this, right? And I went, 
I didn't get her anything. And she went, he went, why? And I went, well, Bronze said she didn't want anything. And he went, no man in the planet has ever believed that, Darren. <laughs> I've never believed it since. And if you're engaged or newly married or got a girlfriend, don't you believe that? Yeah. That's why you came today, to hear that. But just live life well. Um, Philippians 1.9, I think it's coming up on the screen. Yeah, I saw it before. Philippians 1.9. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Don't you love that? Learn to love appropriately. Gosh, what was I thinking? You need to use your head. I needed to use mine. And not your feelings. Let's just skip that line. No sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul. I love it. Making Jesus Christ attractive to all. Get everyone involved in the glory, getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. Don't you love that? Love much and love well. Live a lover's life, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus attractive to all. So how are you going with that? Second thing in a couple of minutes I've got, I'm going to ask Nath Robbo to come and... Uh, just tell you a quick story. They didn't get the brief on the mic. Thanks, mate. Morning, am I on? Yeah, you'll be on. Just okay, go for it. Okay, good. All right, so Daz just asked me this morning to share something about my life. Just three quick points. So first, oh, I've got to look up. Um, oh, no, let's go into this one. All right. This one will do. Okay, so before I was a Christian, I grew up in Danny. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Daniloquin. I got brought up there as a kid. I've got a beautiful mother and father, an older brother, a younger brother, and a twin sister. Now, in my family, my dad's an identical twin. I'm a twin, and we even have we even had uh, twin dogs named Alf and Scooter. I kid you not, they were identical. Anyway, so I got brought up in a beautiful family. Dad provided well and mum was a you know, stay-at-home mum and she worked occasionally if we needed her to. We did amazing things on the farm. You know, we drove around in the family's best car. That was our paddock basher. We were doing donuts in the paddock and mum would be waiting with her arms crossed, waiting to do the grocery shopping. You know, we would dig holes in the backyard to put trampolines in. None of that seemed to bother um, my family so much except they were extremely religious and if you did anything in the Bible or their views of the Bible, um, you got severely punished. You know, you got disciplined, and discipline's a good thing. But when I was 18, so I'm 38 now, so 20 years ago, I did the wrong thing. And I got disfellowshipped. I got disowned. So my family, or that, those, that belief system, decided to kick me out of the church, decided to kick me out of their life. And no one was allowed to talk to me, and I wasn't allowed to talk to them. So that's 20 years ago. So it really hurt me. You know, I was broken. I turned to alcohol, drugs. I was in the party scene. I wanted to hurt people just as much as I was hurt. You know, um, I had such a hatred for God and anyone who believed in God. I was so broken. And then... Now we're going to talk a bit about my decision. So when I was older, I got married and had a beautiful son, Isaac. Now, I was still so broken and so messed up that that marriage failed. And it was devastating. 
and it brought me to my knees. And for the first time in my life, I cried out to God, I need your help. I'm sick of trying to make everything better. I'm sick, you know, of trying to fix things. I'm sick. I'm so frustrated. I'm tired. I'm tired of being hurt and broken. I don't know where to turn. I need you, Jesus, to take control all the days of my life. So now that I've done that, this was a few years ago now, now I'm remarried to a beautiful princess who I prayed for. God is so good. Now I have so much peace in my life, in every situation. I have joy for the first time. I know my worth. I understand why I'm created and why I'm here. I understand the, why, you know, the gifts that God's given me, both physically and spiritually. And the best thing about that is that my future hope is in Christ. I know that I have eternal life in paradise with my heavenly Father. I know that Jesus, I understand that Jesus paid the price for my mistakes. You know, that there's nothing I can do to be right with God. But it's through faith alone that you are saved. And uh, and also have hope. My hope now is to encourage people on their journey that God loves and forgives you no matter what you've done in your life. And He just wants you to come home. And I have such an amazing life now. It's incredible. God's taken me overseas to talk to people, to preach to them. I used to be that guy outside. I kid you not, when I was in the like middle of my 20s, I'd be out the side of churches abusing people as they walked out because I was so broken. Now I'm the guy on the street preaching the good news. Hey, what a difference. So thanks, guys. Stay here, mate. Just stay with me. Why don't you stand with me? Nate's going to pray for you in a moment. I wanted him to do that to say this. Uh, we're, we're going to talk. We're going to get to the gospel. And, and I'm a bit rusty, so I mismanaged my time. Um, but your story is powerful, whatever it is. He grew up a Jehovah's Witness. You know, he told the story. He committed his life to Jesus, changed his future, secured his eternity. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have a story as well. And I encourage you just to do what the Apostle Paul did. And he, he told his past and then he told about the point of decision for Jesus. And then he talked about his life and then he talked about his future hope. And just simple way, just your past, the decision, the change, the future hope. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.